Well, today I'm going to, I'm, I'm really not going to preach a message, more or less. I really want to bring a message that brings an impartation this morning. But uh, this morning, you know, I, I know that information can uh, informs the head, but inspiration changes the heart. And uh, this morning, what I want to do is I just want to talk to you about how to li- live, how to have a, uh, how to, how to leave a legacy. And, uh, you know, when, when you see me up here, it's not me standing up here alone. There are people that are, that, that, that have been in my life. Now, I've been a Christian for 36 years. And I couldn't do anything consistently for three weeks together before I was a Christian. And, uh, you know, if you, when you see me here, you see, you see someone that uh, has faith. Like uh, my, my spiritual grandfather, Cleddy Keith. When you see me... You know, you, you, you see Pastor Jacob that's got a tenacity that, that just doesn't quit. Sometimes when you see me, there are people in my life, like Winky Prattney, who was one of my teachers, and Leonard Ravenhill, who was one of the greatest revivalists that came out of England uh, this past century. I mean, he was one of my teachers. Those were some of my teachers. I had David Wilkerson. You know, uh, uh, you know, when you see me, and those are people that I knew, that I hung around with, that I had the privilege to really know. And so this morning, when you see me, and it's just like you, when, when people see you, there are people that had traits in your life that they just, they might not be here anymore, but they still speak to us. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And good, I'm glad no one knows what I'm talking about. All right. We, we participate at this church. I just want to let you know. And so, so I want to share, you know, what I want to do is I want to take you through, if you would with me in uh, Jude, in verse 22, there's no chapters, there's just one book in Jude chapter 22. I just want to feature this verse this morning. It's going to be our text verse this morning. And it, says, it just says this, and some have compassion making a difference. And some have compassion making a difference. I often thought I, if, if I could, if I thought I couldn't make a difference in this world, but if you can make it, I said, God, if you can make a difference if I can make a difference in your world, God, maybe you can use me to make a difference in the world. You know, right now we're in the Christmas season. And I know this, is that, that for, for many people, you're going to have in-laws and outlaws come to your house. And um, what happens is, you know, there may be strained relationships or maybe different things that, that go on. But there's just one thing. The thing I look forward to, my wife loves Christmas season, the holidays, she, she's a great baker, she bakes cookies and all these different things, and, and uh, even last night we had all the pastors at our house uh, uh, from the campuses, and we just had a great time together, we, we, uh, we just uh, ate really good, and uh, I cooked one of those uh, turkeys in a fryless uh, cook, I mean, a, yeah, greaseless uh, cooker, and then we had some uh, other foods, it was great, I mean, literally, I... When everybody left, I was a full gospel preacher. That's all I got. To, I was so full, I was miserable. And uh, we played games, and we had this big uh, ball. It was uh, 250 yards of cellophane. And we put candy and money. You know, you can see through it a little bit. So people, and it was wrapped different ways and everything. And in the middle was a $100 bill. Pastor Jamie got it, our, our campus parent. But we had a, just a great time, everybody. We just had a great time. I mean, literally, and what you have to do is you have to roll dice, and, and if you get matching numbers, you got you to give it to the next person. So we went around. It was, it was hilarious. We had fun. And you know what it is, is when you have fun, there's things that you do as a family. There's things that you do as a church. You're leaving a legacy, like you had your Christmas outreach out at the park and just bless the community. 
Yeah, you know, and people are going to remember that. When the flood happened, you blessed the community. And what happens is you're leaving a leg, you're building something that's going to leave a legacy. And so I want to talk to you about making a difference and, you know, just to make a difference. When, you know, when I was uh, just getting out of Bible college, I was in Oklahoma City and I was at Wycliffe uh, right there in Oklahoma City. There was a park right across the street. And had these opportunities. I could go to Wachahatchee, Texas. I could go to uh, go and work in uh, Europe. Uh, I could go to England and Sweden. Doors had opened up. Or I could go to the, uh, the Far East and the Philippines. And, and then there was a ministry that I could be involved in, working the streets of America. And I remember just coming to that point in my life going, God, I don't know what to do. How many of you ever felt that way? God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I mean, I mean in, I, it's all good. It's all good, but God, what do you want me to do? Have you ever been at that point in your life? And I remember going out to this field, I had some applications, and I, I just go, God, and I threw it on the application, I got on my knees, and I just got in that park, and I said, God, just speak to me. I, I don't want to do what I want to do, but I want to do what you want me to do. And God began to speak to me, and I ended up working the streets of America for almost eight and a half years in inner cities all across America, traveling and, and literally living in uh, salvation home centers and mission stations and inner cities across America. I know there's some visitors from Bakersfield. I stayed in a place called the El Rancho Bakersfield where there was bullet holes in the wall, and uh, they tore it down since. But I think about, you know, it's like, I know this. How many of you looking for direction? How I many you don't care? I just know where I don't know where I'm going. I just wherever the wind's blowing, I'm going. But see, I believe this: if you want direction in your life, you got first. You got to know you got to have a call. You have to have a compassion for things around you. Then you learn to communicate. I know that you might not know how to communicate everything, but God opens up doors and you learn the art of communication, whatever it is. And, and I know that St. Francis Assisi said this. He said, you know, there's five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Most people don't read the first four, but the people will always read you. And so what happens is we need to have compassion. And, and I know I th- when I think about compassion, I think about my friend, Dula Trahal, that's been on, gone on to be with the Lord when she was 60. She had a call of God in her life to go to Haiti at 60 years old. And when she went there, she started, she started orphanages and she started churches. And when she went there at 80 years old, where her practice was for two years, was she was in a convalescent God said, go to a convalescent home in Lafayette and minister. Now, I didn't tell you that Dula had a second grade education. She could barely read and write, but she knew the Lord. And when she called me, she go, Baba, this is Dula. Praise the Lord. And I went to Haiti, and I saw and She had guys that graduated, finished her orphanage, went to Duke University. Imagine. She had people that became doctors, people that became ministers, people that have gone all over the world. And she passed away at 83 years old. When she used to come and share with us in, at, the, at the Jennings campus, we'd get a chair, and she'd sit there, and we'd just let her talk. Because she had faith stories about how God just ministered. And so what happened is she had a call and she had a compassion. There's something that couldn't come out of her. And when she began to communicate. But here's the thing that when God calls you, if you're going to leave a legacy in your life, you need to have godly character. Now, I know there's a lot of characters in this world. But you need to have godly character. And, you know, and I believe that doors open different ways. And God uses different people in our lives and leaders to open up doors. But I, if you want to leave a legacy, let me just say this. I'm gonna, if you want to take notes, I've got about nine things I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to be long. I'm a short preacher, so that's an indication. 
you got to have a sense of humor. What do you mean, Pat? If you don't believe that people are funny looking, look in the mirror yourself. You see, I believe this. You see, if it, when you go through life, adversity comes, you have to learn to laugh at yourself. Literally, yesterday, Luke and I went hunting, and he went, went parked our Polaris, and, and I was back there, and I was, getting, I was in our blind, and the guys hadn't put the lid on, the last guys that used my blind, and so I was bailing out water. And man, as I was bailing out water, I, I felt like stuff on my back. And I thought, man, they got some itchweed or something in here. And I, I'd kind of do this and everything. And after a while, I'd go, oh, what the heck? And there's ants that had crawled in this grass. And they were all over me. And I have this shirt that has an inner liner. So I'm literally, I'm pulling off my shirts. I'm dancing shirtless yesterday morning. And Luke's coming back and goes, what is my dad doing? I'm like, I'm doing my shirt. He thought I was flagging him down. You know, what's, what? You know, I mean, I mean, you know, and as I'm doing all this stuff, and I thought, man, that's just, I, I, I know I had to look stupid to look. Now, the geese were passing by. We know where he's at. You know, and you had a sense of humor. The other morning, I'll just be honest with you. Let me just be real brutally honest. The other morning, I, I, we collect coffee cups. And my wife and I, places we've been around the world or places in the United States, and we'll have a coffee cup. It reminds us of the moment when we were there. I had a, co- a Cafe du Monde co- cup the other day, and I was pouring some cream in it. I poured my cream. It was early. For, I made my coffee and poured the cream in. I go, man, I wonder where they made that cup. And I got my cup, and I went, Then I looked on the counter and went, oh, dog it. I mean, are you, I mean, it's early. Cream all over my counter, you know. And it didn't even have where it was made on the bottom. You got to learn to laugh at yourself. You got to have a sense of humor. If you're going to have a good time in life, you're going to leave a legacy for people. You know, it pays to have a sense of humor. The second thing is, everything you do, needs a compelling, you need to have a compelling dream if you're going to leave a legacy. What does that mean, Pastor Robert? A dream will lift you out of yourself into something greater than yourself. How I many you know some of, some of us need to get out of ourselves? And see, what do you mean by, there are people in this building, you have a dream for God to use you, or you to do something for God's kingdom that can be incredible and awesome and can be unique. And I believe that if you, you may be willing to give your life for this dream if you were sure it was, if it was God's dream and not your own. You know what, well, Pastor Bubba, how do you know if it's God's dream? I love it when I come to Crowley because y'all always ask me good questions. Here's, the, here's how you know. First of all, a dream... You know, it's big, and it's got to be bigger than you. It's got to be bigger. It's got to be so big that it'll pull, if you pull it off, you know it's God because you ain't, you ain't that hot anyway. Amen? And God gets the glory in the end. And see, you know, think about it. If Steven Spielberg makes a movie, he can spend $100 million and people say, hey, that's okay, that's Steven Spielberg. It's a movie. But let's say if, if someone like like... Jerry Jones, what he can do, he can build a billion-dollar stadium in Dallas, Texas, and go, hey, that's Jerry Jones. It's the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, except to me. But anyway, then you can have someone that, you know, hey, you know, right now they're building a $2 billion casino in Las Vegas, Two with a B, billion dollars. But we go, hey, man, that's what they do in Vegas. 
But you let a man or a woman of God have a dream that's bigger than themselves, and they begin to say, start saying things, then you, you know, go, well, man, that, that dude's crazy, and they need humility in their life. See, the pastor are the people that are going to make a difference in their community to, re- to, mo- to reach movers and shakers in a region or area or a city or in your, in your business place are people that have a dream bigger than themselves because, they have, they, they, because we have a God who can do exceedingly abundantly above what we think or ask. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Look, six years ago I was diagnosed with cancer. A year later I had, I had stage four cancer. I shouldn't even be standing up here, but God gets the glory. I'll just say that. And so, but here's the thing. I was reading my Bible. I do do that. As a, I read my Bible every day. And I was reading my Bible one morning. I knew I had to go visit one of my friends. And her name is um, Gisette. She's 47 years old. She's actually Pastor Jacob's wife's little sister, the baby of seven children of the Bodwin family. And she has stage four cancer. She started in her breast, and it went to, through her, to her bones and to all her extremities. And, and I knew I was going on a Thursday, and I was reading my Bible, and God spoke to me. He said, Bubba, I want you to share. And there was some phrases, and it said, fear not, believe. And that's what John wants you to tell Josette. So I'm like, okay. So I walk in the hospital room at, our late, uh, at uh, Lafayette General. And I walk in the room, and Josette sees me, and she goes, oh, Bubba. And she starts crying. And I said, Josette, I went over there, and I said, I just want to let you know, God gave me a word for you. And her mother's there, Miss Louise, who's like a, a mother to me. She opened her house when I first got saved. I, could, I had an open-door policy. That means if, even if her door wouldn't open, I could open it and go in. And she'd always have a cup of coffee and encourage me, talk to me. And I saw Josette as a nine-year-old little girl. And I walked in, she has one boy. And I said, Josette, God wants you to know. Because see, the doc, when I was there, and they go, what's your pain? You know, between a, a one being the lowest ten, she was at an eight. She hadn't walked in five days. She said it felt like she had cracked her pelvis because of the cancer that's in her bones. And there wasn't much hope. But I knew that God had given me a word. And so I just shared it with her. And I prayed for her. And as I prayed for her, I put my hand on her head and I began to stroke her hair. And as I began to pray, I just prayed this. Josette, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, Josette. Oh, how he loves you. He loves you. And I felt the presence of God. And I was walking out the door. Miss Louise grabbed me. She goes, oh, Bubba, you just don't know what this meant to me. Miss Louise is 81, 82. That's her mama. She goes, I don't want to say I was giving up, but I was getting discouraged. But today when you came, God just lifted my soul. My wife got a text last night. Josette went and did a CT scan. 
they thought she had all these spots and everything. But she, has, and she had like nine spots in her lungs. There's none. Wait, wait, I'm not done. There was other places in her liver where they, had a, they thought it was a nine centimeter area in her liver. They said it shrunk three to three centimeters. And they were going to start treatment. They hadn't even started the treatment. Doctor, my doctor that I sent her to that I thought she'd get compassion to, Dr. Karen Roden, she's here in, in Crowley. She goes, I don't know what is going on here. Something is happening. But you know what we know? I know this. Healed people heal people. Amen? I don't have the power to heal, but I have the power. I've received the power from God to have faith to believe. If God can touch someone like me, God can touch someone like someone else. Amen? Amen. And she's walking and God is doing things. The guy that, that, that was over the, that, that, that floor that she was on actually goes to Jenny's church. She goes, Pastor Bubba. I mean, she is like, she's a different person. You know what? It's not what I have. Here's, here's the key. It, you, whatever, whoever you are, that you have the ability to let God use you for whatever you have. And some of us go, I ain't got nothing. Good. God can use something. Amen? Just, you know what you need to do? Just show up. That's all you have to be. See, I believe this. is that You know, you know it's like what happens is, the you know, if you can't... You, Part of having a dream, you just can't let it go. And when you let it go, it doesn't leave you. You know what I'm talking about? A dream. It's been said that if you can keep a dream for five years, it'll usually come to pass. But here's the problem. Most people can't get past five years. You know why? Let me tell you why. Because discouragement comes. Discouragement will come. You know, uh, the naysayers, you know how they are. People, oh, you know, it's, oh, sweetheart. Let me just tell you, I'm so glad you had that dream. But it costs too much. It's going to cost, you can't do it. You know, I mean, how many you know what I'm talking about? And then you know what, what's even harder? Let me tell you this one, delay. Delay is the hardest one. Why do you say that? Because, you know, as a pastor, I've been, I've, been, I've been a senior pastor for 17 years. Came out of an incredible church with my pastor that I've been with for 36 years. He's still my pastor. The guy that led me to the Lord is my pastor. And I look back and I see how many times God has used delay. And I was, how many of you have ever had delay happen to you and you got mad? Okay, the rest of you are lying. Okay, let's do a test. How many of you have ever lied? How many of you have never lied? If you raise your hand, you're a liar. But anyway. So what happens is, you know what? It's most people can't get keep that. You see, what happens is it can come to pass. The Bible says anything come if you faint not. See, the, the third thing is if you're gonna make a, if you're gonna live a life of legacy, you gotta make every day a masterpiece. John Wooden, who was the winningest coach in all the NCAA, won like ten uh, championship national championship for basketball in a row, or ten out of eleven years. I can't remember what it was. When he was a boy, his dad told him, he said, "Son, you have to approach every day is like a blank canvas, and you begin to paint on that canvas." And whatever you paint on that canvas is how your day will be. Paint your canvas to make it like a masterpiece. You see, you've got to approach every new day. If God is our master, why can't we begin to paint the canvas of our lives like a masterpiece? And let me tell you something. The next thing is, next point, you've got to enjoy the trip. How many of you ever been with people that are just negative? 
They got the mopes. No matter what you do, I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know. Oh, you can do it, but I'm not taking the chance on that one. If it's good, if it's good to you, it's bad to them. If it's going to be fun, it's going to, oh, that's too much to worry about. I mean, there's just, how many you know what I'm talking about? And there are people that we, you know, just mopes in our lives. And, and see, I believe this. You know, I believe this. The joy of, in the, is not in the destination, but in the climbing to get to the dream and the desire that God has for you. And my third son, who's Zach's little brother, his name's Matt. He's now he's a, a paramedic for the Nashville Fire Department. Proud of him, but he's always been crazy. And, and, if, uh, and if you said the sky was blue, he'd say, no, it's yellow today, Daddy. I mean, and I, my favorite saying to him as he's growing up, he said, what part of no don't you understand? But when he was, him and Mackenzie, Mackenzie's here. If you go, if you drive by my street, you can see a treehouse. And there's a treehouse, it's probably about 40 feet, the first perch. But they don't have, any, they didn't create any, like, little piece of wood to climb on there was knots like rock climbing and you literally climb on there and to get to the first perch and then they go have a second thing that's another 40 feet above that okay when they were building it my wife would come out she goes baba tell them to stop doing that because if they fall they're gonna die hey guys tie a rope around you your daddy you know what i mean but the joy of that, while they were in that, was they were the joy of building it. I mean, if you had wood in your garage, I don't know if they bought it from you or stole it. And they would look for pieces, places, they had pallets, they had different things that they used. Or I'd get them some wood or something, tell them where I saw some wood, and they, whatever, whatever they did. But the joy was in the midst of the journey to build that thing that they were seeing. See, revival is no fun when God sends revival, it cuts. It convicts, but the joy of revival is the preparation. What do you mean? For revival, there's the prayer, there's the fasting, there's the, the fellowship, there's knowing God, getting closer to God. You you got to you got to learn, you get to you get to learn on the trip. So you have to make up your mind. Here's one thing I've learned to try to do in my life is to make up my mind to spend time with my wife and my children. I mean, our life is busy. I go to every baseball game I can. I have six kids, so there's been a lot of soccer games, baseball games, football games, basketball games, all kinds of games. And there's a lot of times I would try to get out of the games. And I remember we had three in basketball one year. We had to play zone, my wife and I. Hey, go see him. Go hear him. I mean, it's like, it was just busy. But they always needed that cheering on. You know what I'm talking about? Come on! Zach, go, buddy! Zach was a good soccer player. Okay? But I remember being out there, being, trying to be the biggest cheer. And sometimes when a ref would make the bad move, I'd be the biggest booer. You know what I'm talking about? Now, I'm not the kind they want to extract you from the crowd. But what I'm just saying, because I wanted my kids to know that I was for them. I was with them and that I'd be there. See, whatever you want out of life, I've learned this. You got to give it away. If you want joy, you got to give some joy away. If you want money, be generous and give it away, and God may bless you. Amen? 
If you want to be, if you want friends, the Bible says, show yourself friendly. Hello. You know, I make people say, man, I ain't got no friends. Well, why not? Well, I don't know. They just don't want to hang out with me. Well, if you keep that attitude, I don't want to hang out with you. Show yourself friendly. Am I in the right church this morning? You see, if you want joy, you got to do it. I heard of a lady, she went to her pastor. And she said, Pastor, I think I'm fixing to go through a nervous breakdown. He goes, okay. And he listens to her and he said, well, and she's going there trying to find out what she can do. And he looks at her and he goes, this is what you need to do to get past your nervous breakdown. She goes, she's waiting. And she goes, go make some cookies. And then give them to the convalescent home. She walked out of his office. Cookies? Cookies? I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. You want me to go make cookies? She barged out of his office. The next Sunday, he sees her, and he waves to her, come around the corner. She goes, mm. walks away, and he's like, dang. For weeks go on for about three or four weeks, and one day, going around the corner, they bump into each other. And he goes, he goes oh, how's it going? How's that nervous breakdown going for you? She goes, I canceled it. What do you mean you canceled it? He said, cookies. <laughs> you see, nobody has the right to live, a, to live, a, to live life in self-pity when there's so much hurt in this world. I'll say that again. No one has a right to live in self-pity when there's so much hurt in this world. See, the happiest people in this building this morning are the people who are living their lives for others. So proud of y'all going to do your Christmas outreach. You know, different, different campuses did different things. I, Jenny's, they, 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 they took uh, $200 and gave it to each life group, and they found families that they would buy groceries or gifts or things like that. They went to a school, did a pre- teacher appreciation school, cooked for all the teachers and gave a nice large check to one of the schools in town. That's just how they began to do it. And Eunice are doing, I don't know what they're doing in Eunice. Jamie didn't tell me. Do you know what they're doing in Eunice? I've got to find out what they did in Eunice. But anyway, but I see, you know, I love it. You know, when people are so, so impressed, you begin to share with them about what the dream God's given you and it's bigger than yourself. And people go, man, I want to get behind that dream. How many of you ever saw that movie called The Bucket List? You know, there's two guys are dying of cancer. They're sitting next to each other. And this one guy has this, he starts writing it. The poor guy starts writing this thing on the bucket list. And he throws it on the ground. He just gets discouraged. And the other guy picks it up. It's played by Jack Nicholas, And he looks at it and he goes, it says bucket list. And he goes, hey, what's this bucket list thing on? It's like climbing the Himalayas, jumping out of a plane. Kissing the most beautiful woman in the world. He said, what, what's this? Well, I, it's things I wanted to do, but I, I just can't. He goes, man, I'm rich. I have a private plane. We can do all of this. So you see them, they climb the Himalayas. They jump out of a plane. One was forced. 
And they find the most beautiful woman in the world and they kiss her. See, I've learned this in life. I'll just say this. Number one, I'm not climbing the Himalayas because the Bible says, Lo, the Lord is with you. Okay? Say, I'm not jumping jumping out of a plane either. And I've already kissed the most beautiful woman in the world. She's my wife. So if I kiss another woman, my wife will take my life. Okay? So, you got, I mean, life is an adventure, guys. And God's got a purpose and a desire. His heart, His desire. But the only way you find it is by knowing Him. And, and you know, and you got to enlarge your circle of love. In other words, anybody that I shut out of my circle of love will hurt me. Anybody I include in my circle of love will never hurt me. You see, I'm so glad God included me and you in his circle of love. I'm so glad about that. And see, and I'll just say this. If, if you say, Pastor Bubba, it, I, I just know I can never catch up to the dream God's given me. I know, not my lifetime. It's going to go beyond my lifetime. That's where I'm hoping people, my son, Claire, my, Claire's my daughter-in-law, but she's like my daughter. I've known her since she was 7th, 8th grade. And I'm like, I mean, she's like one of my own, okay? And my desire is to see them become more successful. How many know if you're parents, you want your kids to be more successful than you ever were? You want them to be more blessed. The rest of them are praying for you that you will. You see, but there's, if, there was two, if there was anything that I would do different in my life, I'll tell you, there's two things I'd be different. I would dream bigger, and I'd take bigger risks. But I've learned this. In order for God to do something, you got to be willing to do the unusual. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? God only moves supernaturally when we do the unusual. What do you mean? God moves when you do the unusual. You think about the lady that she was caught in adultery in the Bible. And they have all these guys, they have, they're, they're going to stone her. That doesn't mean they're going to pull out a bong and start smoking it. They got rocks in their hands. Okay? And they're fixing to throw rocks at this girl that literally, when they found her, the Bible says she was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, my question, what was the man if they were caught? What was the man? Well, here they are, and there's this 30-something-year-old guy. He's just kind of sitting, kind of stooping down and writing stuff on the ground. And a lot of theologians say that, that, that Jesus might have been writing the sins of every guy that had a rock in his hand. On the ground. I don't know that. I can't say that, you know, I don't see anywhere where it's been proven, but possibly here they are, they're about to throw these rocks, and they ask this guy, and they go, Hey, Master, what do you have to say about all this? And Jesus looks at, at them and he goes, Hey, um, he's without sin. You cast the first stone. And you know the story? They left one at a time. And Jesus looked at her and he says, where are your accusers? Remember what he said to her? Go and sin no more. You know, when you see someone in poverty, what does that mean? That means you don't just look at them, you feed them. I was just in Albania a couple 
about a month and a half ago, and we went to a gypsy village, and there was kids that Pastor Barry was showing me. He goes, see, Pastor Bubba, see that little kid? See that little boy right there? I wish I had the picture show you. He said, we had medicine and food, and he wouldn't have survived. And I began to think about, you know, it's like you, you see the need and you meet the need. You know, you got to see a need. And God doesn't want you. I've had people call me and say, hey, pastor, I think we need to do this to help these people. What do you think? I believe this. If you see the need, God's asking you to meet the need. Not me meet your need that you see. Come on. Well, I have a burden for, and pastor, you need to do this. Why don't you get up and do come on god doesn't want your money he wants you sometimes to show up and if you do what he tells you to do he'll provide the supply i've learned this if you do god's work in god's way and and you do his ministry you'll always have god's supply money follows ministry are you hearing me it just does you see how about the blind guy in the bible remember him how many of you ever seen people that were blind? I mean, literally, they say that people that are blind have very sensitive eyes. And what does Jesus do? He does the unusual. He comes up and he goes, he goes, hey, Jesus, this guy's blind. He goes, oh, okay. And he goes, gets some mud and dirt. And he goes, ah. Can we bring him here? How many of you ever got dirt in your eye before <laughs> then he says to go wash it remember he goes and washes it ah mm. come on think of the natural I've learned this. If you do the natural, God will put a super on the natural. And that's when it becomes supernatural. You know, how about when we stood up a couple weeks ago when the flood happened? I stood up at the Jennings campus and said, we're not having church today. We're going to go be the church. And you know, your church was incredible in ministering to all this area in Acadia Parish. And just minister to people and help people, bless people. When you do the unusual... God does the supernatural. I'm just telling you, Jennings right now, they're fixing to go to a third service. All the other two services are packed. After the, after the flood, Eunice has gone to two services, and they've grown. You've grown. But let me just tell you something. God's got great things for Crowley this coming year. I do. I believe that with all my heart. I mean, think about it. Jesus, I mean, they have a guy that he stutters. You ever have people that been around that stutter? In second grade, I had Judge Watson, who's, I think he was Supreme Court Justice, but his son, Alan, was in my class second grade. And I remember he, he stuttered. And he'd go, yeah, 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 yeah. The teacher would ask a question. And the only way he wouldn't stutter, he I can't, he'd hit his desk. There was a guy in the Bible that was stuttering. He comes to Jesus. Hey, what do you want? Oh. What does the Bible say Jesus did? He went, stick that tongue out. That's what he did. 
laugh and talk. You know why Jesus didn't do it the same way every time? Because we'd have mud pits and we'd be having, you know, spitting on our fingers and putting it on people's tongues. You know what I mean? You got to learn to do the unusual. What do you mean? Second, let me just give you an example. First Kings chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. And Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. All you had to do was give one offering. But he did the unusual. He did the th- a thousand. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in the dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. See, let me, usually God tells you what he wants you to do, but in this portion, because he did the unusual, God came and asked him, what can I do for you? Are y'all hearing me? You see, and you go down... About two years later, they finished the temple that David had supplied. David knew that in his lifetime, he was not going to see the temple, but he would make all the supply. I believe this. I might not see everything on the other end with everybody, but I don't want to leave. I'd, I would never want any of the campuses and any of the churches that we plant because we are, we're going to plant more campuses. We're going to plant more churches. I don't want to ever see them to where they're so debt, they're so in, have so much debt they can't fulfill the dream. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My desire is that they, when, they, when I leave this earth, they're all debt-free. Come on. And they're doing the things that God called them to do. That's the best thing that I could do is make all the supply for them to be, supply, be able to be successful and be blessed. Amen? And so what happens in the king and all of Israel, uh, chapter 8, verse 62-63, of Israel with him offered sacrifices to the Lord. Solomon offered to the Lord a peace offering. Look what he says. 22,000 cattle. How many of you know that's like a herd? And then 120,000 sheep and goats. And so the king and all of Israel dedicated the temple of the Lord. If you know anything about that, that was 144,000 sacrifices. But we know this if you read on. The presence of the Lord filled the temple. People begin to pray. People begin to prophesy. You see, some of you need to have a plan to do the most unusual thing that you can do. What would be unusual for you this season and Christmas? What would be unusual? You know, I remember a little boy. He was seven years old, and they were doing an offering in their church, a missionary offering. They were trying to reach... Uh, $70,000 to give away. A little boy, seven years old, comes to his pastor and he says, the Lord spoke to me. I'm going to raise $7,000. And they all kind of, I'm glad, son, I'm glad the Lord moved on your heart. All summer, this little boy collected bottles, cans, did all he could. Rake yards, mowed grass, everything. At the, end of the, in, at the end of the summer when they had the commitment, the boy brought $7,000. And he said, here's for the missionaries. He did the unusual. And I believe this. When you do what's unusual, God breathes on it. And when God breathes on it, 
His presence comes. Because see, you, it's not religion comes, it's God's presence comes. Because religion can just get you so far. Come on. You want me to talk to you about religion? You know a little bit of my testimony. My mother was Methodist, my dad was Baptist. His mom was Jehovah Witness, her mom was charismatic. My mom left my dad, married another man, he was Catholic. I didn't need religion, I needed, I might say, the confusion. I went to public school, Episcopal school, Catholic school twice. By the time I graduated, I'd been to 14 different schools. Now, I stayed at some, you know, three or four years, but that's because they liked me so much, they told me I need to go find another school that they could like me. When we do the unusual, God shows up. Let me just wrap it all up. If you're going to leave a legacy, you've got to have a vision of the finish line. What does that mean? Some of you are young. So uh, General MacArthur, who was a great hero in the Pacific and during World War II, he said, life is like this. Life's like a sun, sun, sunrise and like a sunset. It's depending on where you keep your eyes. You see, when Peter saw Jesus there on the cross, Peter had a vision for Jesus to set up his kingdom now and then. And, and, and what happened, now Peter sees Jesus dying and his dream begins to get shattered. So what does Peter do? Because his dream, Peter's dream shattered. What does he do? He goes back fishing. People in this building, let me just say this. You've had a dream. Maybe your dream's been shattered. Like glass. You had a dream for your marriage. You had a dream for your job. You had a dream for your children. You had a dream that you felt like it was a God-birthed dream. But it's been shattered. What do you do when you live and seems like your dreams disappear. Look at me. Yes, God, help me dream again. I believe there's some of you that one of the hardest parts of the whole year is Christmas for people's lives. Because it's like they had a dream of something and their dreams were shattered. Sometimes during the holidays, it's the hardest times for some people. So where do I find joy? Where do I find peace? Where do I find love? Look at me. You find that in Jesus, the greatest gift. Several years ago in Lafayette, it was on the headlines. It said, someone stole Jesus. What had happened, the police report came and someone had a nativity scene and someone stole baby Jesus. And the whole thing is we're looking for Jesus. And they begin to describe what Jesus looked like, plastic, but all this stuff. And that makes me think, you know what? There are people that are looking for Jesus. What can you give the king who has everything? You give him a heart that's open and wide. And he changes you on the inside. That's what I give the king who has everything. Heart. Amen.